Thank you for sharing, guys. It's really interesting just to get a sense of the different things that strike us um, as we reflect on these passages. Um, let me just, just read a little as well. Uh, uh, it was those screw tape letters um, that hit me as well um, this week. And if you haven't read it, I actually read it years ago. I was just coming back, and, and it struck me afresh. They're, they're letters from a senior devil to a junior devil, just sort of imagining the ways that Satan works, giving advice as to how to tempt. Um, so when he, he's talking about the enemy here, it's the devil writing, so the enemy is God. Um, and he's talking about this follower of Jesus and how they're trying to take him away from God. We know that we've introduced a change of direction in his life, which is already carrying him out of his orbit around the enemy, which is God. He must not be allowed to suspect that he is now, however slowly, heading right away from the sun on a line which will carry him into the cold and dark of utmost space. Subtly bringing him away from God. And then this is what he says. For this reason, I'm almost glad to hear that he's still a churchgoer. <laughs> Isn't that just brilliant? Trying to be subtle. Don't be aware. Don't know what's going on. If he's still going to church, then he might think he's okay, even though his heart is being led away. It's the word that Ronnie used. It's subtle. Subtle, I think. That Satan's work amongst us is subtle. It's unseen. He's trying not to be seen and recognized. Satan is like the, the sniper on the roof or hiding in the bushes or the covert ops team. Or maybe more appropriate for today's age, he is the propaganda team spreading fake news. That is how Satan seems to work. And when we see these temptations that Jesus underwent, we see it as well. The first temptation. I'm not sure I'm going to get through all three today, but we'll concentrate on the first two anyway. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Seems a pretty reasonable demand in the first place. The focus is on Jesus' needs. Jesus has been in the wilderness for 40 days and fasting. And it, I mean, we, we can work out then that he's probably pretty hungry after 40 days, but it specifically tells us he's hungry. And the temptation is to fulfill his needs to focus on yourself and your hunger and what you want. And even more than that, it says, if you are the son of God, then tell these stones to become bread. If you, if you really are God's son, then use that. Use your, your sonship. Use your faith. Use your connection to God to fulfill your own needs, to help yourself. It seems that, that, that the temptation is to use your faith about, your, about you, for you to actually orbit yourself rather than around the living God. Very subtle. But can you imagine anything more deadly than that? More deadly than making following Jesus actually about me. Than making worshipping the living God about me to make, make contributing and connecting to the work of the Spirit about me. Anything more deadly and yet more subtle. Because you see, it, it seems like a reasonable demand. Jesus is hungry. Of course you must eat. That's reasonable. This, this whole passage builds on what happened to Israel in the wilderness in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus. And it was reasonable then. They were, they were in the wilderness, walking through desert, looking for food, and so they grumbled and, and God provided food. Surely that is a reasonable demand. It's natural. Uh, as some of you know, um, this last week we've 
for the moment, become a family of six as we're, we're fostering little uh, baby AJ who made his debut at church this morning. Um, and hunger is just this most natural thing. I've been learning that afresh. It's been at least eight years since I've, <laughs> I've been learning that for a, a newborn. Um, but AJ cries. He goes to sleep for three hours. You'll hear these odd little noises. And then he cries. You give him a, a bit of milk and he just, perfect peace. Harmony is restored. It's this most natural thing, isn't it? So it seems reasonable. And that's the subtlety of what Satan is doing. Turning your sonship, turning your faith to actually make it focus on us. And you see, the danger is that is the natural thing in our age, because we live in the age of the selfie, the age of express yourself, the age of just be yourself, the age of any catchphrase you can think of which ends with yourself. That is our age. So the subtlety to actually make faith, make my following of Jesus and my church going about me. And it's subtle because it's still faith. It has this God dimension to it. You're, you're talking about the things of God. You're, you're going to a place where we're worshiping God. But yet, the question becomes, what do I get out of it? How does it help me? How do I feel? And that Godward dimension has veered off into this focus on self. And so Jesus says no. And that's what we're doing this whole series. This just ties in so well to the series because the whole theme going through all the little passages we've looked at so far is sort of anti-self. To save your life by losing it is self-denial. Pick up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself. To achieve greatness through service, it's serving others, not serving yourself. And last week, we looked at how we're actually when we're weak and we looked at Paul's thorn in the side and he was given the thorn to keep himself from becoming conceited focus on self it seems like that's the battle all along and then that is the way that Satan comes and tempts us I want to read uh, a verse which came to mind um, which, which I think is, is really powerful when we reflect on it it's Paul speaking speaking about himself after his encounter which has changed his life and transformed him in his life and in his faith. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Speaking about himself, he, he, he's got into this, not because he wants to, but there's people trying to claim authority over him, and he says this, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. He doesn't care what people think of him. He doesn't care how people judge him or not. The people he's writing to, anyone else, he doesn't even think about himself. Tim Keller uses this lovely phrase called self-forgetfulness. He, he nearly forgets about himself. And I want to tell you today that the paradox of this is this is freedom, real freedom in our world, real fulfillment. It's actually to forget about ourselves and to focus on others. And in that focus on others, we forget ourselves and actually we're free, actually we're fulfilled. Because self-focus, what Jesus is warning us against, what Satan is tempting us to, is, is the curse of our age. It is the curse of our age. And um, Madonna, speaking about her life, I think this is, this is a few years ago now. You probably guessed that. We've taken Madonna uh, out from the filing cabinet. Um, but this is what she said, speaking when she was interviewed. 
my drive in life fear of being mediocre. I love that, you know, mediocre. <laughs> What's your biggest fear? That is always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being, but then I feel I'm still mediocre and, and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. And maybe that's what explains how you can be this successful artist for so many years, decades, and keep reinventing yourself, because he has to be somebody else. This focus on self and being someone. And, and, and that focus on self, like how many of us, our anxieties or our worries in life are, you know, what will people think of me? How, how do I look? Focus on self. Or relationally, when I, when I speak to people about relationship issues, you know, for or just socially chatting to people, you know, sometimes I really feel like I'm, I'm speaking to my children. You know, when people talk about relationships, it's a bit like, but she did this to me, but he did X to me. And that self-focus becomes a curse for us. And so Jesus resists this temptation by being God-centered, not by being self-centered or self-focused. He trusts in the Father. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes. And he resists. The angels attend him. And he's free. But I, I feel this is where it's at for us, guys. Because we live in a self-focused age. And we read a passage where the first temptation of Satan is to focus on self and turn our faith about self. So as we restart life again after the pandemic, as we regather as church, how does this speak to your own faith? going to go on to the second temptation. I think this first temptation is great challenge for us, and, and I want us to be challenged. I'm greatly challenged by this. I think the second one speaks hope to us, speaks great hope. second one is tricky. On first reading, I'm sort of like, what exactly is going on here? You know, go, go to um, the highest point, throw yourself down, the angels will catch you. It sounds like I don't know what it sounds like, some sort of bungee jump type thing that, that Satan is trying to do. What is the point that's going on here? And for me, reading the text, it's Jesus' response that draws us back into the story of Israel. All these stories are in the wilderness, like Israel was in the wilderness. Jesus' responses are, are, are from the book of Deuteronomy and references to Exodus. And he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When you read the full quote in, in Deuteronomy, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. And so he brings us to this story of Israel in the wilderness. And that's the story where Israel was thirsty. I mean, it's only Exodus chapter 17. They're literally about three, four chapters having escaped from slavery for generations. And then they're thirsty. And they fear they're going to die in their desert. And they're sort of doubting and losing their faith. Moses strikes the rock. Water comes out. Two words are given for this place. Mesa and Meribah. Which mean testing and quarreling. The whole story is that they're testing. God. They're quarreling with God. 
And the test is put into this phrase in Exodus 17, verse 7. Is the Lord among us or not? That is their question. They've gone through difficult times, nothing to drink, and they ask the question, is God with us? Is the Lord among us? Jesus here has gone through difficult times, 40 days in the wilderness, being tempted by the devil himself. I mean, I reckon I'm getting tempted by the junior devil when I read the screw tape letters. Jesus is one-on-one, mano a mano, in the desert for 40 days. He's hungry, he's tired. It's difficult. And the temptation comes, is the Lord amongst us or not? If you are the Son of God, then throw yourself down and the angels will come and rescue. And then you will know that God is with you. Then you will know that God loves you. God will protect you and rescue. And it's going to be public. Everyone will know. We're going to do it in the holy city, in the capital. We're going to go to the temple, to the holy building, right at the very top. And angels will come. I mean, it's going to be broadcast live. You know, people will be taking their selfies with that. Everyone will know and know that God is with you and loves you and you really are the Son of God. And it seems to me that this temptation is doubt. It's a temptation to doubt, is the Lord amongst me or not? Is God with me? Does God love me? And in particular, it's in those difficult times. And we've all, I mean, we all live in this world. So we all go through tough times, wilderness times. Maybe not physically, but, but in our lives. And then we think, where is God? Why has God let this happen? If, if God was if God truly loved me, why am I going through these difficult times? If God loved me, my life would look better. I'd be happier. My, my family troubles would sort of not have happened. Things would be easier. We'd be healthier. There'd be no issues. We, we'd be comfortable. We wouldn't be renting. I wouldn't be single. I wouldn't have X, Y, and Z issues going on in my life if God loved me. And man, I think we all ask that question at some stage. Do we not? Second temptation that Satan brings is doubt. Is the Lord amongst us? He will give me a sign and then I'll know. Throw yourself down, then I'll know. When Jesus is speaking later in John's Gospel, he says this of the devil. When he lies, he speaks native language. I love that. Just rolls off his tongue. It's his native language. His mother tongue comes naturally to him. Lie and cause doubt and so affect our faith in those ways. So that's the temptation. But let me speak hope to you this morning. The temptation comes that it's doubt. But let me speak hope. Because there is great hope in this passage. We will fail. We will succumb to the first temptation. And I I reckon part of us are all there because it's the water in which we swim in our culture today. We'll succumb to the second. The third, read it yourself. I'm sure we'll succumb there too. We will fail and we will fall. Israel did. But Jesus didn't. Jesus did not succumb to any of these three temptations. And Jesus is the new Israel. I mean, God's whole plan, he started this beautiful world and Adam and Eve fell and they couldn't resist Satan coming and and causing doubt in their minds. Is God really good? Did God really say that? And so God picks the people, Israel, and they were going to show how you live with God, how you live in the real world with God 
and live life and are fulfilled. And they fall and fall again and again. And then Jesus comes. Jesus spends 40 days, Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness, just like Israel did. He is the new Israel. Every time he's getting a temptation here, he speaks from Deuteronomy, speaking about those wilderness years. This is the reference. And he's not just the new Israel, actual Israel, because he resists every time. This is a necessary part of Jesus' ministry. He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I used to always wonder about that. Gosh, man, temptation is tough. None of us want Why would Why would the Spirit? godly Jesus out into it but it was necessary because he had to show that he was faithful so that he could come and help us and save us and just help us in every way and he does Jesus resisted Satan at the end it just says the devil left him I don't know how you picture the story in your mind any any sort of cartoon or video versions I've seen of this they always focus on what the devil looks like I love that bit at the end. The devil left him. I see the old tail between his legs walking off in defeat because he's again and again thrown these temptations and they fail because Jesus resists. And now his ministry can begin and he can cast out demons left, right and center because he is the faithful Israel, the true son of God. And all the way to the cross where Satan is fully defeated. And that brings great hope for us. Those temptations that we've looked at for Jesus all start with the phrase, if you are the Son of God. The very passage before, chapter 3, verse 17, Jesus is being baptized in the river Jordan by John the Baptist. And as he's baptized, I mean, heaven just opens up before him. And a dove comes down and this voice speaks and says, this is my Son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. And Jesus knew that. And that's how he resisted. He knew who he was in God. It had just been spoken to him. And he resists. And because Jesus was faithful, where we can't be, you and me as followers of Jesus are clothed in Jesus. We are baptized in Jesus. We're surrounded by Jesus. We are in him. We are with him. We are attached to him. And those words that were spoken to him are spoken of us. This is my son. This is my son, James. This is my son, Nigel. This is my daughter, Gladys. This is my daughter, Clementina. This is my daughter, Gwyneth. This is my son. This is my daughter, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And don't let anyone come and sprinkle doubt about that. Because Jesus has won that. It is forever. It is guaranteed. It is in the bank. Let's pause. going to pray together and actually I'm going to invite you to stand I'm going to lead us in prayer give some space and I'll pray but I'd like us to stand and just in the silence 
pick one of those two temptations, the challenge of self-focus or the hope that overcomes the doubt that Satan. Which one speaks to you today? Just, just ask yourself that. Sit with that for a minute and I'll pray.